You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I am so excited to introduce you to John Stackhouse, who uh, is a Canadian journalist and author, graduated from Queen's University in 1985, and while at Queen's, he served as the editor of the Queen's Journal. Uh, he won the Tricolor Award in 1985, which is a fun and interesting fact. He went on to become the editor of the Globe and Mail's Report on Business section, and now he spends his time at RBC. And full disclosure, uh, Jelly is a, uh, you know, we use RBC to do our banking, but this is not a sponsored episode in any way. I am just a very big fan of John Stackhouse's um, inspiration, content, and pieces. Uh, and, and I told this to John uh, before the recording that um, the pieces he put out about the economy and stats and figures uh, was one of the most hopeful and sobering pieces of information that got our business, and I feel like a lot of other businesses in Canada, uh, through the kind of the, the height of the COVID uncertainty. So, John, a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, it's such a pleasure to, uh, to be with you, even uh, remotely, virtually, whatever <laughs> the description is now. So thanks for, uh, for inviting me. So my first introduction to you um, was on LinkedIn, and someone had shared um, some posts, and this was just uh, after COVID had started, kind of more as far as like March. You know, you're working from home. What's happening? There was so much uncertainty. What was going on for you, maybe, and kind of the inspiration behind writing those pieces, distributing those pieces, and and you know, what was it like in, in, from your context? Because I was on the consumer, you know, consumer side. What was it like for you on the the producer side? Yeah, it's uh, incredible that that was. Um a year ago, it feels in some ways like a lifetime or a decade ago. Other moments, it feels like yesterday. And I think what a number of us realized at the beginning of the crisis was the value of information and simple information. And I had a flashback to my media days um, and a bit of an awareness from my time at the Globe that whether it was 9-11 or the financial crisis or other crises that we'd come, whenever there was an overwhelming news event, the appetite for information was insatiable, number one. Yes. And number two, the more complex the crisis was, the simpler people want their information. And that includes really smart, informed people. So you can call it dumbing it down or boiling it down, however you want to describe it. It's a really important part of communication in crises that people need information, but they need it simplified and they need complexity simplified. And that was, I know that on its own sounds simple, but that was something we seized on in March, April. I just thought this this is overwhelming. It is totally new to most of us. How do we explain to our clients and the communities that we work with at RBC? What we're going through collectively, uh, as we're going through it, because people don't want to wait for the for the look back, uh, as best as we can and as simply as we can. Uh, mm-hmm. So that that was kind of our mission every day: is how, how do we make sense of this overwhelming event, uh, events plural, uh, and convey that simply and meaningfully to Canadians. 
and, and I know you can't maybe give the secret sauce, like how it worked in the kitchen, but I would sometimes see like reports coming out from accounting firms or law firms, but it would usually be a week, two weeks, three weeks after, and they would be discussing some sort of data that was already expired. I feel like you would get something out within 24 hours. Um, and, and like the famous subreddit, uh, tell it to me like I'm five, um, you, you explained it to me like I was five. And, and in a way that being stressed out, being busy in business, being scared, being a father, I could consume it and I could then share it with peers. I could share it with my business partner. So I, like, can, what can you share about the, the, the process of making that data and getting it out so quickly? Well, well, that's a great point about timeliness because timeliness is, is always important, but in crises is even more important, essential. Uh, and you get that as a reporter, right? Like yeah. you, when you would report on the news, you couldn't wait a week. You, you had to get it out right away. Well, you, you get it out right away and you also um, realize that information is in crisis, especially is by its very nature in, incomplete and probably imperfect. Yeah. And as long as you're okay with that, you just you mm -hmm. say, here's what we know. And again, kind of a basic rule of reporting of just asking what do we know and how do we know it to be true? Those are just those are two fundamental questions in any newsroom. What do we know mm -hmm. and how do we know it to be true? And we, we wrestled with this after 9-11, uh, where it was just um, fog of war. Um, day after day, you didn't really know what was going on. And now in hindsight, mm. th there's much more clarity. But every day we just tried to say, here's what we know and here's how we know it. Uh, even if hmm. we're not sure it's true, <laughs> this is who, who we're attributing it to. And be honest with people, like this is kind of a daily update in some ways, and the same in this crisis. And that, sometimes this is hard for organizations because they want um, near-perfect information. Uh, of course, there's reputational issues and there's a kind of a need to be um, wanting to be fulsome in one's communications. Yeah. I uh, understand and respect that. Uh, but I think that can be balanced with the kind of the, 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 the hurly-burly, the chaos of, of a crisis and the need really imperative, mm -hmm. I would say, to say, share, this is what we know. Um, over mm -hmm. to you folks mm -hmm. to, to, to work with us. Yeah, wow. And, and when you, you, know, you went on and got promoted 2009 to the editor-in-chief of Global Mail, did you have that wrestle everywhere? Okay, the, the wrestle of, okay, let's make sure that that article or that news is perfect versus let's get it out now. I imagine that was a daily wrestle probably for, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, national, and, and, you know, one of Canada's most important newspapers. Yeah. Yeah, so you have, you, you know, you build um, on the tradition of a great newsroom, which the Globe is and continues to yeah. become greater. Uh, yes. year after year. Uh, you yes. try to add to it. Um, you, you hold everyone to a certain standard and make sure you have a culture that holds you to a standard as, uh, as well, mutual accountabilities. And be transparent with what you know, how you know it, you know, without um, uh, divulging secrets or, or betraying confidences. Uh, be as transparent yeah. as, uh, as one, one, one can. Um, you know, one of the, and, and often it's, it's most complex with investigative stories that are built on uh, building blocks really of information and you're uh, always worried that is there, or it's more probably more like a Django puzzle, you know, is there a piece in there that is going to be pulled out because of it, it's, it's, it's not accurate and then the whole thing is going to collapse. 
And I know like for an investigative reporter, that's always the fear. Like I have a thousand pieces of information here. They're all rock solid. But what if one of them is wrong? Because that's the one thing that I'm going to be um, um, held to account for. Uh, so that's always a challenge with complex uh, stories. Um, but uh, the, you're also challenged from time to time with just the binary story. Is a, is a single thing true or not? And, you know, one that stands out is the night that uh, bin Laden was was killed and that moved, uh, I want to say, around 10 p.m. I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong on that because it's been uh, uh, a decade. But, uh, you know, we wrote the story, had the, the front, line, front page ready to go but at 1130. Uh, you know, we were literally holding the printing press saying, like, uh, you know, we can't put out a front page thing, Bin Laden dead. And then, you know, uh, there's six hours between the presses rolling and, and people getting it. Uh, that's when you really don't want to be wrong on. So we held and held and held until um, it felt like a long time. It was it was really probably minutes in hindsight. Uh, and you may uh, get that that reassurance um, and, uh, and let it let it go. No, see, my little house in Fort Langley, we, on Saturday mornings, we, we get the Globe and Mail dropped off on our front stoop and, and we pick it up and we, we spend the weekend going through it. And, and it's amazing sometimes the stuff that happens like late Friday night is in there Saturday morning. It's incredible. Yeah, the Daily Miracle. Uh, it's still, uh, it still is. Yeah, no, it's incredible. So uh, for you in this stage, um, like I, I was getting this information from you on LinkedIn. And so you would get, you know, the data, the information, you'd have someone design it. You would then post it on your LinkedIn and then watch the distribution. Because I wasn't seeing it come through emails from like my, you know, account person at RBC. It wasn't coming from RBC branded stuff. But it was, you know, I knew you were at RBC, but it came so naturally that I think it was one of the neatest, probably best B2B content marketing pieces I'd ever seen. And, and was that the intention or was it just something that naturally occurred? That's, a, that's such a good observation because we do push things out through uh, email channels and other channels. But when I joined RBC six years ago now, uh, I said, yeah. you know, I'm, uh, I'm um, active on social media, uh, have been for a no number of years and um, anticipate that to continue uh, in, in my time at, at, uh, at, at RBC. And there was an agreement on that. So I continued to put my own material out, um, primarily on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and Twitter, and yeah. have used that uh, much more actively through uh, through the crisis and have uh, what I think is a pretty good following and uh, encourage listeners to uh, track me down on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, Twitter is at Stackhouse John. Yes. LinkedIn is uh, uh, easy enough to find. Um uh, and I, I find both platforms, I mean, they're, they're, they're very efficient and effective. Uh, speed is, uh, is there. But I, I also just love the, the true interaction of, of being able to share things, see comments, um, get additional uh, material added, added to it. It's, it's the, the, the beauty. I mean, social media has got a lot of issues with it, but, uh, but at its core, it's, it's just a, a wonderful addition to public discourse. Uh, and always happy yeah. to try to add to add to that. That's awesome. And, and to switch gears here, kind of going on a, a different vein, you've written books as well. So I just want to mention a few, Timbit Nation, 
uh, Hitchhiker's View of Canada, Mass Disruption, 30 Years on the Front Lines of a Media Revolution, and your newest book, Planet Canada, How Our Expats Are Shaping the Future. Uh, tell me about your latest book. I want to hear about this, and, and what can someone expect from it? Yeah, so Planet Canada is about our 11th province, and that is the expatriate population. We have 2 million to 3 million Canadians living, working, studying around the world. And some of them, you know, like a Ryan Reynolds or a Jim Cameron yes. or a Mark Carney, um, but yep. most of them you've never heard of. And most of them are doing really interesting and important things uh, in all walks of, all imaginable walks of, of, of life. Uh, and we as a country are really falling down in using them as, hmm. as an asset, a strategic asset. We're falling down hmm. in treating them as part of our country. Uh, we still have a view hmm. too often that they have left. And hmm. my argument, the core argument in Planet Canada is that as a people, as Canadians, we, we've really evolved. And in many ways, we've transcended geography. So you are as much a Canadian if, if you've lived in Singapore for 20 years as you are if you've stayed yeah. in Saskatchewan for those 20 years. Yeah. And in this age, <laughs> and this has really accelerated in the crisis, the pandemic, uh, where we're all kind of existing virtually, um, but in this age of digital networks, geography matters less and less. And mm -hmm. this is more and more important to, to Canada as we come to grips with us being a smaller part of the world. Uh, so how do we, and that's just a function of the rise of the rest, how do we in the 2020s and beyond ensure that Canada's voice and our values are protected and enhanced in the world? We used to rely on institutions mm. like the United Nations or NATO. Those still matter. But we also need to recognize that in the 2020s, networks are more powerful in many ways than those institutions. If you think of the past year, among the most powerful forces in the world are networks like Black Lives Matter or networks like Greta Thunberg's. Those are more powerful than institutions in many ways, more powerful than multinational corporations yeah. and, and, and by and large positive movements. So how do we help enhance the networks of Canadians out there to have the same positive force to benefit the Canadians who are out there, but, but to take our country along uh, with, uh, with them? This is kind of the very power, the essence of the digital, uh, the digital age. And what, when I set out to do the book, um, I you know, interviewed hundreds of Canadians, uh, profiled many of them in the book, tried to make it a mm. bit of a, a travelogue around the world. You meet, um, you know, architects mm. in China and human rights workers, uh, business leaders in Europe, um, songwriters in Nashville. Uh, so I hope those stories are inspiring uh, to Canadians, no matter what you're doing, to realize, wow, there's, there's a lot of us out there and we're actually really good at a lot of things and we're really, really respected in the world. Uh, but in addition to inspiring people, I'm, I'm hoping to help Canadians see the opportunity here to think globally through these, this idea of, of, of networks and to realize 
almost every other serious country is doing this. And I, I, I look at what Australia and France does with their expatriate populations, but also Israel and Singapore and Taiwan, they're not begging people to move home. They realize that, you know, people once, especially once they're gone five years, probably not coming back, but that's okay. And they're saying now to their expats, please like stay and do what you want, but we want you to remain Israeli or Singaporean in spirit, if not in passport and um, registration. And we need you to help us. Uh, help you, but also help us as uh, as a collective uh, group of uh, group of people. That's amazing. That's amazing. So available in hardcover, audiobook, Kindle edition. Yeah, yeah. There's a great uh, audio version of it, um, but uh, but also in those others. So go to your favorite um, uh, platform or go to the publisher Penguin Random House uh, uh, website and search John Stackhouse or search Planet Canada, uh, and you'll be one or two clicks away from, uh, from, from getting it. Yeah, or you could get the whole stack, uh, Timbit Nation, an incredible book, and Mass Disruption, especially if you are in the PR uh, media landscape, a great book as well. Um, I want to talk about podcasting, disruptors. Tell me about the inspiration behind this and what that's been like for you uh, producing a podcast. Yeah, so D- Disruptors is um, an RBC podcast that I, uh, that I host that looks at how technology is changing everything around us. And this started as a a regular event program within RBC, shortly after I joined RBC. Mm -hmm. uh, I do a lot of kind of stage conversations outside and uh, thought it might be interesting to try to bring those into into the organization. (laughs) I'll I'll never forget the, uh, the, the, the first one we hosted, I had no idea if anyone would come. Probably like when you had your first podcast, you think like, is anyone going to listen to this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we, we, we put a notice out saying we've got, uh, it was uh, someone from Uber and Airbnb. Um, this is six years ago, so they were uh, a fraction of the force they are today. And uh, I didn't know if anyone would show up. And sure enough, it was you know, filled the room. So we thought, okay, there's an appetite mm-hmm. for this kind of conversation. Yeah. It grew as an event series. We we launched the podcast off of the event uh, series as a way of amplifying and extending it. But then when the pandemic hit, that ended the event business. And we thought, yeah. okay, let's, let's double down on the podcast uh, and really invest in this. So we put uh, greater production values into it, uh, try to, to produce, curate, edit it, uh, uh, even better than it was, even better than it was before, but also use it to really inform a Canadian conversation about how the pandemic is is affecting our economy, our businesses, but but also creating opportunities through technology. Mm-hmm. And the, at, the, at, at the root of the Disruptors podcast is a belief which we have at RBC, that we are in a tech revolution right now that is really transformative. And and frankly, we're at the early stages of this revolution with cognitive technologies, technologies that can think on their own, uh, that are going to be, that are going to be wonderful for humanity. I'm a big believer in technology, despite 
the, the risks there if we take advantage of them. And what I hope to do with the podcast every episode is excite Canadian business thinkers, entrepreneurs, uh, investors, uh, community leaders to think about how technology can change everything that they're doing for the better. It's amazing. I, I, you had an episode on just technology changing the charitable sector, episode on the Year of the Gamer, just great episodes, and produced by a um, childhood friend of mine, Roger Naren from Jar Audio. If you haven't checked him out yet, uh, Roger also contributes uh, pieces to our uh, website, Marketing News Canada, so shout out to Roger and the team at Jar. No, a big shout out to uh, Roger and everyone at uh, uh, Jar. Uh, they, they are awesome, great uh, Vancouver uh, group. I'm... I, I, so lucky to work with them and learn from them um, uh, every every episode, which is uh, really uh, really great. You know, Canadians are are pretty fantastic podcasters, and um, I mean this this is part of um, Planet Canada. I have a chapter on this. As a people, we're we're good storytellers, and uh, my argument is we grow up. You know, we're like the little sibling at the uh, the dinner table who just has to sit there and listen. But the listener is the one who tells the best story because you're, yeah. you're listening to everyone else yak away. And we grow up listening to Americans, but others, and then develop stories out of that. And that, that's why this country produces so many great journalists um, you know, per capita, way more than any other country, I, I believe. So many great novelists, uh, so many great podcasters out there in the world, yeah. you know, the country of Malcolm Gladwell, um, and uh, we could go on, yeah. on, on and on. Um, we're, we're, as a people, we're good storytellers because we're good listeners, and uh, that includes uh, yeah. podcasting. I, uh, I really love the idea of what you're doing on Disruptors in that there's so many uh, people that work in the economy of like white collar work, and there's blue collar work, but I feel like so many people are joining what we, I call the new collar economy. You know, jobs that never existed 10 years ago, like TikTok stars and social media managers and digital ads managers. There's so many jobs that on Indeed, for example, that, you know, five years ago never even existed. Yeah, that, and that's one of the hard things for people to fully digest in the midst of this crisis where when millions of jobs have been lost. And that's, that's uh, devastating. Uh, obviously for the individuals and their families, but, but more broadly for all of our communities to have that, um, that, to, to, to have that disruption. Many of those jobs are going to come back. Um, but what we're hoping, and the, the podcast is trying to, to help people think through the opportunities here, is that Canadians think about the jobs and the opportunities that will come out of this, out of this crisis there's going to be a new kind of economy and it will accelerate. Uh, and one of the things we have to be mindful of as Canadians is, uh, and I've watched this over the decades, that when the U.S. economy accelerates, it really accelerates. When America gets its head around innovating on something, look out. I mean, that, the U.S. has got all sorts of problems of its own making, um, but it is an exceptional place for innovation. And, and economic development and entrepreneurship. And Canada is the same. We're, we're very different, but we're also an exceptional place mm -hmm. for opportunity. And how do we ensure that as we get through this, and we've got to get through the next few months uh, together, 
but after that, and, and that will come, um, how do we quickly turn to the opportunities of not just rebuilding, that sounds like you, you, you know a, a wartime term. It's, mm. it's about creating. How do we create the economy, the vibrant, resilient, engaging economy of tomorrow? Uh, that's really going to make Canada an even more exceptional place in uh, in the world. And you know, I, I'm so privileged to be able to travel around the country uh, when one's allowed to travel, um, but meet entrepreneurs, meet students, meet community leaders in um, in you know all sorts of wonderful Canadian places. And I've got enormous confidence in their ability from coast to coast to coast to 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 really lead us into a better decade ahead but we got to be ready for that because uh, it's going to start faster than we uh, expect and uh, it's going to go faster than we may be uh, ready for you know there's a great line in disruption uh, that technology disruptive technology always takes longer to have an effect and when it does have an effect it always has a greater impact than anyone thought possible. So you think of, you know, things, well, the internet uh, is, a, is a good example, but we're going to see this with autonomous vehicles. Uh, we're going to see it with robot where people are going to say like, yeah, yeah, I've been hearing about this for years and years and years. And you're right. But then it's going to hit and it's going to hit with a force that you yeah. didn't think possible. Yeah. So no matter what your business is, you always have to be, kind of a little bit paranoid thinking, but in an opportunistic way, when's that moment going to come? And am I ready? Do I have the team? Do I have the talent? Uh, do I have a bit of a rough game plan? So when that moment comes, it's it's game time. And as a country, I think we got to be ready for game time when uh, when that comes summer, fall, when, you know, whenever that will be, it'll, it'll, it'll come and it'll, it'll go fast. It's awesome. One of the things I've learned over the years from, from many wise people, uh, and I've used the, the crisis to ask people who have been through pre previous crises. I said, what do you remember? Mm. What, what, what should we know mm. for this crisis that we, we've learned from previous crises? And one of the more, more common responses I've heard is that when we came out of the crisis, the acceleration was faster than I was ready for. Wow. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that's an good. interesting kind of sobering observation, but it's, it, 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 it's true. And then when you look at previous crises, just, you know, the last, the global financial crisis, for instance, think of all the creative enterprises that came out of that. So we came out of the global financial crisis and suddenly there was the iPhone, there was Facebook. Facebook existed before, but it, it really started to, to rev in 2010. Um, and boom, social media decade as a economic yeah. transformation began. And yeah. there were so many enterprises, entire sector that were licking their wounds from the crisis mm -hmm. that they didn't realize that the iPhone and Facebook and <laughs> the entire ecosystems built on them were racing away from 2010 kind of on. And then by the time 2012, 2014, they kind of woke up to it. Like yeah. they're laughing at that point. Yeah. It's too late to be the next Farmville. 
It already come and gone. <laughs> Missed well that boat. Well said. So, John, as as a as a fan and and kind of a follower of the content you're putting out, if I keep my finger on the pulse of the disruptors podcast, I'm going to keep hearing kind of what's disruptive. And can we expect more content pieces, more kind of like outlook on the economy? Will we see some more data sheets coming out from you and your team? Yeah, we've got a, a lot of exciting work uh, in uh, uh, on the go right now. Uh, and if you're a podcast uh, listener, and of course, everyone who's listening is a podcast listener, but you can find uh, uh, disruptors, RBC disruptors on on all the uh, all the good platforms. So we'd love to have you as a uh, all of you as a listener. Um, we've got uh, an episode coming up on Black His- History Month that looks at uh, innovation and technology with a, through the lens of inclusion. Uh, we're also doing a really interesting project on creativity. And our wow. thesis is creativity is going to be the it skill of the recovery. Uh, so we, we, we've defined creativity. We've do, we're doing some uh, interesting uh, data dives on it um, with our economics research team. And we'll have a podcast uh, on uh, on the, this notion of creativity. And uh, I don't want to give away uh, everything, but it's not what you think. I mean, there's uh, there's terrific creative enterprises, but creativity exists in almost every sector, and it is going to be a defining skill in every sector in the 2020s. So, if you're interested in creativity. Uh, as they say, stay uh, stay tuned. John, that's awesome. I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm a subscriber. I'm excited to, to listen to that episode. John, thanks for uh, being here and sharing so much stuff. Um, John, if you're open to it, I'm going to try a rapid-fire round of questions. Are you game to try a little rapid-fire? Oh, it's fire, fire away. Okay. What was your first job? Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> I had so many when I was a kid. So paper, paper boy, um, is, that, uh, is that a job? That's perfect. That's very fitting. That's very fitting. Yes, perfect. Uh, night owl or early bird? Night owl. Uh, cat or dog person? Dog. Dark or milk chocolate? Dark. Red or white wine? Red. Tim Hortons or Starbucks? Uh, Starbucks. Okay. Uh, your dessert of choice? Chocolate mousse. Okay. What's the number one thing on your bucket list right now? Mm. <laughs> uh, traveling abroad. Nice. And you have two options there. Your favorite word right now or a word that needs to die? <laughs> a word that needs to die. There's so many. Um, <laughs> um, favorite word, compassion. That's great. That's great for, for these days, especially. Uh, last charity you supported, whether it was time or uh, money, and why? The United Way of uh, Greater Toronto, uh, a regular supporter, and um, especially committed because of the social services that they provide to a lot of people who need that year in and year out, but uh, by gosh, in this, this, this crisis, it's, um, it's a godsend. Yeah. Uh, favorite movie for a cozy night in? 
Oh, <laughs> there's so many, uh, so many going through uh, through my mind. Um, can I be schlocky? Yeah. Oh, please do. Please be. Love actually. Yeah. Nice. That's a great one. That is a great cozy night in movie. Great choice. Uh, favorite song on repeat right now. <laughs> or it could be album. Favorite song on repeat. I mean, this is one of the curses of the crisis, right? My my Spotify is just on uh, yeah. on on constant right. constant repeat. Um, and just because we had Groundhog Day, I, I, I'm tempted to say I I got you, babe, uh, which is on repeat on my my Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> the, the song of that's Groundhog great. That's Day. perfect. That's per. That's a great one. That's a great song. It's a great one. Um, is a fun one. If you weren't doing the job you're doing now, what would you be doing? Um, writing books. Nice. Uh, app on your phone that you can't live without? Peloton. I've become a yes. huge Peloton junkie uh, through this uh, through this crisis. It's my new yeah. best friend. I'm currently on their two-month free trial doing their outdoor runs at the moment. Okay. Re recommendations? Because I, I uh, do that as well. Yeah. Jess, Jess Sims is amazing. Yep. She has a great 20-minute interval and yep. then a five-minute stretch after. She's my friend now. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I love. And she doesn't know it. She doesn't know it yet, but we're friends. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I like Jess too. If you, you know, let's 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 do like a joint podcast workout with Jess. That'd be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah. Do you have the actual bike, or are you using it for no. all the other activities? No, I'm doing. Um, yeah. No, me too. I don't yeah. Yeah, and I've started yoga like for the first time in my life, and I'm yeah. enjoying it. Um, meditation. The power walks, which I always thought was yeah. kind of like power walks. Who does yeah. that? I'm like, no, this yeah. is this is good. Yeah, no, they they do a great job. Uh, streaming service that you can't live without. Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Um, favorite children's book. Mm. The places you'll go, Dr. Seuss. Nice. Yes. Great choice. Uh, last question, but not the least one. What's the most important thing you've ever changed your mind about? Wow, that is an outstanding question. You've stumped the band. Um, Faith. Okay, great. That's great. Is that too uh, oblique? No, it's perfect. It's perfect. That's a great answer. Um, thank you for, for trying out our new segment here for Marketing News Canada. I really appreciate you. Uh, and it's been an honor to have you on the show. I've... Uh, feel like I've been hearing your voice uh, for, for, for months during this. And, and I, even my own partner would say I, I would often use your data sets to sober ourselves and also give us those glimmers of hope. And I feel like that was uh, so true about your writing, where you uh, have that ability to write something that's factual, that's um, deep, that's well-researched, uh, but you also make it digestible you make it hopeful even during very hard times. So thank you for, for being there for, for myself personally and, and all those out there that are listening. Well, thank you for, uh, for having me on the, uh, on the pod and uh, hope we can do it again. This has been fun. Awesome. awesome. Thanks everyone for joining us uh, today on Marketing News Canada and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. 
by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.